0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz and some big news around the NFL this week as owners announce their agreement to a new collective bargaining agreement that would include an extra playoff game starting this 2020 season with also a goal to eventually move to a 17 game regular season sometime in the next four years. The shift would also shorten the preseason games to three games instead of four. There's quite a bit to the deal. I'm not going to get into it all here, but minimum salaries increase. Players overall get a larger percentage of league revenue. We should get an idea of what the players decide to do a little bit later this week. But there was other news this week, too, as the Seahawks added tight end Greg Olson after he was released by the Carolina Panthers. Joining us to talk about what Olson might have left in the tank and also talk about some free agent options available from the Panthers this offseason is Brian Beversluis of the Keep Sounding Podcast, a podcast for the Cat Scratch Reader community here on SB Nation. Brian, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Good to be back. Before we get to Greg Olson, I wanted to get your thoughts on the possible postseason format next year. One extra team to the playoffs, so only the number one seed from the AFC and NFC would get a bye. Everyone else would play on the opening weekend. And uh, a little bit intriguing, I, I especially having you on, being Carolina Panthers fan and, the, you know, with the Seahawks, both our teams have gotten in winning the division with a sub-500 record. And so <laughs> the idea of bringing in another playoff team, but I, I guess somebody went back and they looked at it and, and no sub-500 teams would get in based on the the extra team with it being a, a non-division winner, it'd go to the team with the, the best the next best record. It would have been the Rams in the NFC this year, but uh, it is interesting to me though, that it is kind of just the idea of potentially watering down the playoffs a little more.
1: Yeah. I mean, ultimately really a lot of NFL fans. I mean, we're, you know, you a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are probably the hardcore fans where they're all about Seattle football for the entire off season where the playoffs is where everybody tunes in, Yes, you know? Um, so I kind of understand from profit standpoint, like adding that playoff game, uh, adding those playoff teams. I mean, it's—I I don't know about adding another playoff team only because this past season the teams that would have made it would be the Rams for the NFC, and I think the in the AFC it was the Steelers. The Steelers, yeah, who were—they
0: were eight and not, eight though, so it would have been a five hundred yeah. team getting in,
1: and they were also not a playoff team, like they eight and eight was, I, I think that was, they overachieved with the way their, their season went. So it's like, granted, you know, once you're in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. It's all a whole new season. But when you have that many teams in the dance, you end up having one team who adds a bad game. Cause like, that's the, that's the one thing that I've never liked about the NFL playoffs is like a good example was the Panthers playing the Broncos in that one Super Bowl. I think, I feel like if the Panthers played that game, Ten times against the Broncos, they would have won nine of them. So <laughs> I
0: feel the same way about Super Bowl Forty and the Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, with the Steelers getting in as the sixth seed that year.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's always good to add another playoff game just because it's another game you can watch and it's got stakes where it gives teams something to play for. So, and obviously more playoff teams means more fans who actually follow the product, like all year round, get to watch their team in the playoffs. So that's all great and all, but eh, I, I guess we'll see how it goes this season before I really make a decision on it. As far as the buy goes, um, I think that's nice because it kind of incentivizes teams that are doing really well to continue to play the entire season out. And granted injuries are obviously something that you never want to see happen before a big playoff run, but, There's always that last week of the season where there's that one or two teams where it's like, oh, we got that first round by covered. We're good. We're not going to play anybody. So having it now be down to one, like now there's going to be incentive for everybody to play every game. So,
0: yeah, unless you're you have a two game lead going into the last game of the season, you're going to have to suit up your the rest of your team and, and play to get that first round by. It makes that last week of the season a little bit more competitive. So that's nice. The intriguing thing to me is that what if it comes down to though, three teams at the end who all have a tied record and then you're coming down to a situation where one team has beat the other team, the other has beat one, and you know it's it just gets kind of messy and it's you have to have a tiebreaker that uh, just gets the first seed, the other two miss out. Or even if you look back at this past season, you know, the Seahawks and the 49ers playing, and the fact that the, the Seahawks are just, you know, two inches short of the goal line, San Francisco gets the first round by, you know, if they call pass interference in one situation for the Seahawks in the end zone, maybe the Packers get the first seed instead of having to, uh, I think they went all the way down to the third seed. So I could see it uh, upsetting some people going, oh, you know, if, the, if we're under the old rules, we would have had to buy two.
1: That's a situation that we'll likely run into, but I also think that this is the NFL, the NFL slowly building to having just another playoff team added, where there's eight in every division. So yeah,
0: oh, was the uh, yeah, it was the Saints that went all the way down. Yeah, the Packers still got the buy this last year, but yeah, it uh, it it could be interesting. I like the idea of it of it only going to the top team, I guess. But uh, you know, as far as the seventh team getting in, I, I don't know if there's any times where the Seahawks have just. Missed the playoffs by one game to where that would have really impacted Seattle and their ability to get in. So I, I'm sure my mind, you know, if it if it were a recent year, like if I were a Rams fan this year, I would be all about the extra team in the playoffs saying, oh, yeah, we should have been in this year.
1: Well, there was that one year. I think it was the Cardinals where uh, I think it was actually. Uh, I think it might have been even the I forget what year it was, but the Cardinals were like just like a game or so short, maybe two. Of winning the division and they still had like an 11 win record and they didn't make the playoffs. So I get it in that situation. So there's going to be outliers in both areas where it'll, we'll see where it boils down, how the NFL decides to address it going forward. That's what they do. They wait until something catastrophic happens in the playoffs to a team and then they address (laughs) it. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, and they're also looking to push for a 17-game schedule. That sounds like it could be down the road, but something definitely on the mind and something that's been talked about, maybe pushing the preseason to only three games. So I, that's something that we can address down the road. It's just that the playoffs, it has the potential to change as early as next season, which is the, the interesting thing to me. So I want to move on because Greg Olson, former Carolina mm-hmm. Panther, you know, I... I I can't even believe the fact that he was a Chicago Bear before being a Panther, because I just picture Greg Olson as being a lifelong Carolina Panther. He's been a standout guy in the community, a standout guy in the uh, in terms of his play on the field. And when you saw the news earlier this month that Greg Olson was going to be released by the Carolina Panthers, what was your reaction?
1: I wasn't surprised. Um, I was sad because I like Greg Olson a lot. I've really enjoyed watching him and Cam Newton play together. It's kind of sad that he got stuck with Mike Martz for the beginning of his career where he doesn't really believe in tight ends, Mm. but it didn't really shock me. I mean, like the Panthers just brought in a whole new regime. They brought in a new head coach. They brought in a new offensive coordinator. They're bringing in a new defensive coordinator. It's like the guy's 35, you know, Caroline is clearly not, Like last season, they might have like a lot of people thought they might be like rearing up to rebuild, but they did try to build a competitive product on the field where this year Matt rule is on the first of his seven, six to seven year deal. Like he doesn't have to make the Panthers competitive right now where Olsen might only have one or two years left in the tank. So especially with the cap hit he was getting, I think he was one of the top three tight ends in the NFL as far as cap hit. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes sense that Carolina, what I imagine happened was Carolina said, we're willing to keep you, but you need to make, we're going to give you this much money. And he probably just disagreed and then decided to go see where he could go and try and win a Super Bowl in the next one to two seasons.
0: Well, and you said that he is 35, but you say that uh, he does potentially have a year or two left in him. What what did you see from him this last year that gave you the idea that uh, he, he still has some uh, some years left in him?
1: Well, he played almost the entire season. Uh, That was promising after two straight years of him having big issues with his foot. He still had flashes. Like, he had the two-touchdown game against the Cardinals uh, week two before Cam Newton, like, officially was done with the season. He had a really good game against the Buccaneers. I mean, you see somebody like Jason Witten out there, for example, and he's still making catches and getting first downs. And you watch Greg Olson play. He's not the same fast guy that he used to be. But he's never really been like a guy where he relies on his athleticism as much as he's a very technically refined receiver. He can block, he knows how to work the zones, he knows how to work guys in man. He's always been reliable with his hands. you know he's not going to be a guy where he'll catch and run for 40 yards for a touchdown anymore, but he's a guy where you could reliably trust him to catch the ball when you need him to in almost any situation.
0: Well, and you brought up the idea that the the very few games that he played with Cam Newton this year, I mean talk about the guys that were throwing him the football, and now he's going from that to Russell Wilson next year,
1: yeah, I'm really happy for him in that regard. Um I think that he definitely would have liked to play with Cam Newton again because they have a very uncanny connection. I mean, there aren't there there's not many tight ends in NFL history who have ever had three straight thousand yard re- seasons. I think it's basically just him and Travis Kelsey right now, so I think he would have liked to come back and play with Cam, but there's still some uncertainty with Cam, even though all signs point to him being healthy. I think Russell Wilson will use him quite well. I mean, Olsen's the kind of guy where he can get open when you need him to. Like, if a play's busted, he'll find a way to find a hole in his own. And obviously, Russell Wilson is really good at making keeping plays alive and making plays when they're not there. So I think it's going to be a really good combo for him. I don't know if I'd expect him to have, like, an elite tight end season, but I think he's going to be a pleasant surprise for a lot of NFL fans.
0: Yeah, and I don't think any Seahawks fan is expecting the Greg Olson that we saw in that stretch from 2014 to 2016, where he's making the Pro Bowl and catching for over a 1,000 yards. And, you know, I I think those years are behind him. It's a little bit different. I think there is still a sour taste in the mouths of Seahawks fans after the Jimmy Graham trade. The coaches wanted him to come into Seattle and be that complete tight end, the guy who could block, the guy who could catch. And now I kind of wonder if, Even at 35, if Greg Olson can be more of that complete tight end than the Seahawks even had with Jimmy Graham.
1: Uh, Definitely, Um, at least from a blocking standpoint. I know Seattle is going to continue to run the football. Olson has been he was like a subpar blocker in the beginning of his career with Carolina, but he definitely learned to step up and he definitely delivered very a a few solid blocks during his uh, last few seasons. He's 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 definitely going to be somebody you can move around and use in the run game. Um, I think he's just he's always been more of a complete player than Jimmy Graham, where I think Jimmy Graham was always just a big wide receiver. So I think you can expect I think, honestly, you can reasonably expect him if you're being conservative to be a pretty good run blocker and maybe like a "Eh, he's all right receiver.
0: So, hey, that's all I'm saying if they can get four to 500 yards from him. They can have a a, a healthy Will Disley, we hope, coming back next year. I think that, and and him not having to be the main guy on the line, I I think gives the Seahawks a little bit extra and maybe some insurance then if Will Disley can't come back healthy. So I I like what I'm hearing from you about Greg Olson. I'm kind of curious about some of the other free agents for the Carolina Panthers. You talked about Cam Newton too. Let's talk about those guys coming up after the break. Joined by Brian Beversluis of the Keep Sounding Podcast, part of Cat Scratch Reader, talking Carolina Panthers. And a big story of this offseason is what's going to happen with quarterback Cam Newton. And I'm I'm curious, Brian, what you're hearing and what you're thinking that the Panthers could do this offseason because you mentioned the new coach coming in. You know, is he going to want to trade Cam Newton for some draft picks and get the quarterback that he wants to start to build this offense from? Or does he say, hey, I have my franchise quarterback right here. Let's start building with Cam Newton and see if we can go on another run with Cam.
1: It's a really interesting situation right now. I mean, obviously, it's a quarterback controversy. Cam Newton always generates clicks. So the national media has been all over it. There's a lot of Panthers fans who want Cam Newton to stick around for a year, play, see if he can prove that he's healthy. And then you either move on from him and uh, trade and let him walk or you, uh, sign him to an extension. I I almost think they're going to make that decision prior to this season. And I'm kind of leaning towards that they're going to let Cam Newton prove that he's still a franchise quarterback this year. He's set to take a physical in March and he's why he's expected to pass by all regards in Carolina's media. If Cam Newton ends up playing for the Carolina Panthers next year, no matter what they do to this roster, they still are going to have Christian McCaffrey if they have a healthy Cam Newton. It's hard to reasonably expect them to lose more games than they did this past season. So, the whole like tra- tank for Trevor, t- Trevor Lawrence right. mindset, you're, you throw that right out the window if you have Cam Newton play all 16 games this year. So, I think they either bring him back and put him on a prove it deal where it's like okay Kyle Allen and Will Greer are his backups and he proves that he's good again, and that's contingent on his extension, or they get their quarterback now and there's a lot of talk about Tua but i'm not sure about him because he's also got injury concerns right. and it's like you have your guy where he he had a, an nfl mvp season he's had a few really good seasons under his belt playing on a pretty a pretty solid quarterback contract for one year so you go you go draft that guy you've already basically said hey we're done with you cam bye-bye, so what motivation do you, does he have to try and win a Super Bowl with Carolina at that point? They either, I think that if he passes that physical, they either trade him around draft time or they trade up and try to get Burrow if something weird happens with the top of the draft. But I, my, my expectation is Carolina will bring back Cam Newton because Tepper has been steadfast in that he wants to see Cam Newton fully healthy before he makes a decision on him.
0: Well, there's a lot of other guys to look at on the Carolina Panthers. And I I noticed that the Panthers are in a similar position to the Seattle Seahawks, especially on the defensive line, because multiple guys who are unrestricted free agents. So I'm thinking maybe Seattle will be looking at some of these guys to help fill in, uh, depending on who leaves. Obviously, Jadavion Clowney, the big free agent for the Seahawks. But uh, you guys have Mario Addison, who's hitting uh, unrestricted free agency. You got Bruce Irvin, the former Seahawk, and then also on the defensive line, you got Wes Horton, Vernon Butler, Gerald McCoy and Kyle Love. So a lot of names on that defensive line that could potentially be gone next year.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of them will be gone. I mean, I like Mario Addison and I'm. Kind of sad that I think he's going to end up going, but he's just been too consistently productive since Carolina signed him to an extension back when when he first became an undistricted free agent. I think that Mario Addison's one where they'll they'll let him go to a team where he can maybe make an impact and try and win a Super Bowl with somebody competitive. Um, guys like Kyle Love might will probably end up retiring. Wes Horton already has. Um, Bruce Irvin is just another one of those guys where he's going to be finding one year deals until teams stop calling. Right. Gerald McCoy, he's already expressed uh, interest in going to a team that could potentially win the Super Bowl since he could go back to Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl. I think he's gone too. Mm. But on top, that said, I mean, Carolina's rush defense was horrible this past season. They were the worst in the NFL or one of the worst. So a full facelift there makes a lot of sense. Um, they're still going to have Brian Burns. They have a lot of the young pass rushers. They have Kaywon Short. There's a, there's a There's opportunity to bring back Vernon Butler as their former first-round pick but I just don't know with him because this is the only season he's ever proved to be anything worthwhile. I think this is going to be a season where their rush defense is just going to suck again. I I don't think it'll be as bad as it was last time, but I think there'll be a heavy emphasis on replacing, but not re-signing this in this off season.
0: What do you think they do with Dontari Poe? Because he has a team option that the team can choose to exercise, right?
1: He's gone hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, there's been no indication by Carolina that they, that he is gone, but like with the contract they've been paying him compared to his production over the last two seasons, the first half of 2019, he was pretty good, but 2018 he was, he was disappointing. It's just not worth it. I mean, that money can be spent elsewhere, especially since they have the opportunity to take a, to take a pretty good interior alignment in the top, in the top rounds of the draft, that they choose not to go quarterback. There's been defensive linemen mocked to them many times with the uh, number seven overall pick. So they, they get a guy there who's like a, a strong interior presence to pair with Kay Short, maybe bring back a guy like Vernon Butler, and they're probably fine on the interior. So, and that makes everything better on the outside.
0: Well, the Seahawks also looking for maybe a slot receiver going into this offseason because, uh, you know, you have the outside guys. You got Tyler Lockett, you got DK Metcalf. Now we have the tight ends with Greg Olson and Will Disley. And so you need that other guy to round out that group. And I see Chris Hogan is an unrestricted free agent.
1: Yeah, you guys don't want him. <laughs> um, he was he 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 was all right with New England. I mean, obviously playing with Tom Brady makes a lot of receivers look good. Sure. But with Carolina, he was very meh. I mean, they, they have uh, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore um, who are pretty who are both pretty good, but beyond that, they had a lot of kind of meh receivers. Like, honestly, if you want to look at a Carolina receiver who might be a free agent, I would say look at Jarius Wright more than Chris Hogan, because I think he has more than Tank.
0: And he does have a team option that the that the Panthers could choose not to pick up this offseason. Yeah, I, it's just that I, I like to look at teams, you know, especially that had quarterback injuries. And, you know, you have Kyle Allen and Will Greer throwing the football that maybe – maybe there is the opportunity for Russell Wilson to elevate the play of, of a guy like Chris Hogan. But I, I do like the name Jarius Wright too. That's uh that's somebody to look forward to.
1: Jarius Wright is on, um, it was underrated with Carolina in 2018 after Cam Newton was having his problems as his shoulder, he had many opportunities to score more touchdowns. Chris Hogan to me was just a guy who he might get open for like a seven or eight yard catch, but he just doesn't get a lot of separation anymore. So I know Russell Wilson can elevate guys, but when your guy's not getting a whole lot of separation, there's only so much quarterback can do to help him be like more than just average.
0: Also noticing a lot of corners on your free agent list with James Bradbury, Ross Cockrell, JV, and Elliott. Anyone that you expect other teams to come looking for?
1: Absolutely, James Bradbury. His value to your average NFL fan has probably dropped since this, since seeing Carolina from the start of 2019 to the end of 2019. They went from being a top pass defense. I think they were rated as the, as the top pass defense for the first, eh, let's say 75% of the first half of the season. Bradbury has had to deal with elite wide receiver talent since his first day in Carolina. I mean, his first game was against Demarius Thomas. He's obviously had Mike Evans twice a year, Julio Jones twice a year, Michael Thomas twice a year. Um, he's, he's always been tasked with covering those high end wide receivers and, in 2019, their defense just as a whole fell apart once once the offense started falling apart and the teams figured out they could run the ball effectively against Carolina. None of that's James Bradbury's fault. I mean, he, he can only do so much as the number one corner, especially when teams are taking shots down the field because there's no pass rush or no whatever. So Bradbury's going to get paid in free agency. I think Carolina will pursue him and try to bring him back, but... Uh Bradbury's is going to have some some bitters. Ross Cockrell is a prototypical zone corner. Heavy zone, he's always been that way. When he was in New York, he that when they were a heavy zone team, he was pretty good for them. Graded out well on the metrics, on all the metrics of that. Then when they were done with him, it was either that he went to the Steelers first or the Steelers sent him to the Giants first. I don't remember what the order was there, but basically both teams, when they had them, were like heavy zone schemes, and then they like kind of wanted to get away from that and got rid of them. So a team that's a heavy zone emphasis could take Ross Cockrell and have really viable depth. I mean, he stepped in for Bradbury and Dante Jackson when they were hurt, and he played really well. So he's another guy I would keep an eye on. Jevian and Elliott, um, PFF overrated him last year when he played for the Bucs. Uh, he's, he's nothing. I, I, if you sign him, I wouldn't get excited about it. <laughs> Good to know. Well, Brian, I really want to thank you for
0: coming on and helping give us some of the background behind Greg Olson, looking at uh, some potential free agents. And uh, if anything comes up in the offseason, or you know what, if if one of our guys from the Seahawks ends up in Carolina, definitely hit me up and, and we can talk more this offseason.
1: Yeah, sounds good. We'll definitely have some bits on the Keep Sounding podcast. So if the Panthers decide to shell out some money for JV and Clowney, I'll definitely <laughs> let you know.
0: I If that happens, I don't think I want to talk about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I wouldn't I don't know if I'd want to talk about it either. That's a lot of money to shell out for a team that's supposedly rebuilding. Yeah, that,
0: so That's true, too. So, well, we will see what happens in this offseason. Lots coming up in this next month. Brian, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thanks again to Brian. A big week coming up as the NFL Combine is getting underway. Going to be lots to talk about through this upcoming week. So stay tuned to the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. If you want to help support the show, you can go to glow.fm forward slash flock. Everyone who supports the show will get a shout out on an upcoming show. Stay tuned. More to come. And until then, go Hawks.